Shalom. You're getting good at your Hebrew. Um, as Pastor Keith had mentioned, uh, Advent is right around the corner, and I'm really happy about that. I'm, not, I'm happy that Christmas is coming, but I think you can agree with me that you'll be happy that 2020 is coming to an end. Yes? It, I don't ever remember a year being as challenging, as difficult as 2020. Yes. So, um, thankfully, it is coming to an end. Um, but if you have your Bible uh, or a smartphone, I'd love for you to open up with me to the book of Lamentations. If we have our slides, they can get going. Yes, and uh, I, um, I mourn with you as a church. Um, I'm new to your fellowship but uh, quickly have become fast friends with Pastor Keith. So my condolences to your loss of a leader that you've had throughout the years. And uh, I will sure to be praying for you in the coming days that you will receive God's comfort in this time of difficulty. Uh, The title of my message this morning is God's Love When Life Hurts. God's love when life hurts. So I want to tell you about the night I forgot to do an ancient Jewish ritual, which is the ripping of the mask. Yes. The ripping of the mask. Now I sound a little bit clearer. Yes. So God's love when life hurts. I want to tell you about the night that I killed Ted Morris. These are the trembling words of Tommy Page as he opened his court-mandated appearance at Trigg County High School's MAD meeting, Mothers Against Drunk Driving. Standing in the back of the gym was Elizabeth Morris, Ted's grieving mother. Life many times brings us great pain. The death of a loved one, unmet expectations, sickness, worry, and the fear of the future. I want to pose a couple questions to us this morning. Those questions are these. Have you ever felt afflicted? Has life ever, quote unquote, hurt you? Has life ever made you weep? This morning, as we look at the book of Lamentations, we see affliction and pain on display. Jeremiah, the author of Lamentations, puts it this way. So we're going to be looking in chapter 3 of the book of Lamentations. Jeremiah says this, I am a man who has seen affliction under the rod of his wrath. He has driven and brought me into the darkness without any light. Surely against me he turns his hand again and again, the whole day long. He has made my flesh and my skin waste away. He has broken my bones. He has besieged and enveloped me with bitterness and tribulation. He has made me to dwell in darkness like the dead of long ago. He has made my teeth grind on gravel 
and has made me cower in ashes. My soul is bereaved of peace. I've forgotten what happiness is. So I say, my endurance has perished. So is my hope from the Lord. Such descriptive words here from the prophet Isaiah. He is laying his heart bare for all of us to see. These are the words of Jeremiah the prophet as he sees the destruction of Jerusalem and the pain of his people Israel. Let's look at some of the background of the book of Lamentations. This is all free information for you. If you have your notebook, this would be a great time to start jotting some notes. We're going to just give you a 30-foot flyover of the book of Lamentations. We're going to see this morning three things. We're going to see Jeremiah's hurt. We're going to see Jeremiah's hope. And we're going to see Jeremiah's help. And they're not only Jeremiah's hurt, hope, and help, but it's ours as well, right? We can apply these truths to our lives this morning. And chapter 3 is kind of like the top of the mountain uh, for Jeremiah. Verses, uh, chapters 1 and 2 and chapter 4 and 5 bookend the great hope that we find in Lamentations 3. Chapters 1 and 2 and chapters 4 and 5 talk about the lamentation of Jeremiah over the sin of Jerusalem and its destruction. So the book was written to the Jewish people to express mourning over the destruction of Jerusalem and the first temple. It is written to those who suffered, to those who have lost their lives, and to those who were taken into captivity. There's a twofold purpose of lamentations. Jeremiah is telling of his grief over the fall of Jerusalem, but also his hope in the faithfulness of God. We see judgment and faithfulness, and we also see affliction and hope. Lamentations describes the results of Babylon's destruction of Jerusalem in 587 BC in vivid detail. Jeremiah also affirms that belief in God's mercy and faithfulness is the key to a restored relationship with God. Lamentations presents five interconnected poems. As I did my research and was studying, I just was grateful for how Jeremiah wrote this book. It's five interconnected poems. Together they describe a movement from horrible loss and personal shame to restored hope and prayer for revival. These poems also coincide with the Psalms, with the Jewish prayer book in the Torah. Uh, The Psalms in their honest expression of pain and their dismay at what God has allowed to happen. Have you ever asked yourself in the course of your life and your walk with God, have you ever asked the question, why? Why? We all have asked the question, why 2020, right? Why 2020? And I'm thankful that God is not afraid of our questions, right? He's big enough to take our questions head on. 
So the book of Lamentations is we learn the theology of the nature of pain, sin, and redemption. This book is rich. I I challenge you, you know, uh, in your quarantine time, who knows what's going to happen if we're going to have lockdown, but take your Bible and go get a cup of coffee, some tea, Red Bull, like I do sometimes, and read through the book of Lamentations. You will see some great theology the nature of pain, the nature of sin, and the nature of redemption. We're going to see that this morning. There are several key words in this book. The word Zion is mentioned 15 times. Significant. God's holy city. Jerusalem is mentioned seven times. And this is referring not only to the city of Jerusalem, but its people. We see the word desolate. Strong language, yes? We see the word desolate seven times, which emphasizes the grief of loss. And we see the word hope five times, which points us to the God who keeps his covenant with his people. Amen? We're going to see three things this morning. We're going to see Jeremiah's hurt. We're going to see Jeremiah's hope. And we're going to see Jeremiah's help. But first, we look at Jeremiah's hurt. Next slide. Jeremiah's hurt. Again, I ask the question, have you ever felt afflicted? Has life ever hurt you? We talked uh, the last time I was here about COVID, right? And I talked about waking up in the morning in March and having a little tickle in my throat and thinking, oh my gosh, I have COVID. And my wife's like, no, it's just your allergies. And she was right, it was just my allergies. But in late September, I got another cough. Yes, I did. I got another cough. Not only did I get a little bit of a cough, but I had a major sinus headache. Not only did I have a cough and a major sinus headache, but I got a low-grade fever. And it was an uh-oh moment. And I went to get tested, and unfortunately, I tested positive for COVID-19, and I was afflicted. I was greatly afflicted for eight days. I lost 10 pounds in eight days, but I made it through. So I can stand here and say, I was afflicted, and I'm sure you can all agree with me that life has afflicted you as well. Has life ever hurt you? Many of us are feeling the pain of hurt through the loss of a member of your church. Thirdly, I ask, has life ever made you weep? It did Jeremiah. Jeremiah says in chapter 3, verse 48 and 49, My eyes are spent with weeping. My stomach churns. My bile is poured out to the ground. Jeremiah has just told us that he is in such anguish that he is throwing up. Because of the destruction of the daughter of my people, he is seeing the destruction come upon the people of Israel and the city of Jerusalem because they have sinned and not followed God's commandments. Because infants and babies faint in the streets of the city, my eyes overflow with rivers of water for the destruction of the people of the daughter of my people. In verse 49, my eyes flow and do not cease without interruption. Why was Jeremiah weeping? Because he was witnessing the destruction of God's holy city 
and the pain that sin has caused. Israel had sinned, and now there were consequences. Sin, unfortunately, never goes unpunished. There are always consequences, and it sometimes is painful. Sometimes God does bring correction. In Hebrews 12, it says, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, circle that word in Hebrews 12, for whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son who he receives. Chastening by God is proof that we are his children, yes? So before we moved to wonderful Jersey Shore, we lived in wonderful Brooklyn. And uh, a few years ago, you might have remembered an amazing blizzard, I can't Remember the year, I think it was 2016, where it was about 20 in, 28 inches of snow. Raise your hand if you vaguely remember the blizzard just a few years ago. We got hammered in Brooklyn, and it snowed, and it snowed, and it snowed. And uh, obviously my kids had a ball, school was closed, and they're like, Dad, we want to go out, and I want to make my snow, first snowman in Brooklyn. I said, go ahead. So my son would run out, and we had these wonderful wood floors, these beautiful wood floors in our home in Brooklyn that we were renting, and Micah would be out there and he'd be tired and he would want to show mom and me his snowman, and uh, he would come and he would charge in, right? And it was 28 inches of snow. The dude came in from head to toe, covered with snow, and he's running in and there it is, snow, snow, snow on the wood floor, right? And we're like, oh my gosh. So I'm like, grab the towels. So we put some towels and I bring Micah and I'm like, listen, bro, I know you're excited, but this is wood, and he's like seven years old. I'm trying to explain to him that you can't get snow on the wood floor. So we tried to explain and said, listen, there's a towel here. I want you to take your boots off after you go outside. Before you come in, take the boots off. Well, what do you think happened the next time? Mom calls, hot chocolate, hoo-hoo, hot chocolate. Boom, right over, the, right over the thing onto the wooden floor. This happened about three or four times, and I started to get a little frustrated. And uh, Corey's like, you're going to have to explain to him again. So I winded up explaining to them, listen, if you do not take your boots off on the towel, I'm going to take your iPad. And he started to cry and say, you're afflicting me. (laughs) (laughs) But I said to him, I said, listen, I love you, but you've got to learn your lesson. So he went out and played in the snow, and he comes rushing in for dinner, and he goes, looks... And then he stops and takes his boots off. And I'm like, yes, it worked, right? Chastening worked, right? It served its purpose in the life of my son. And here, in the lives of the Jewish people, God was chastening them. And I believe that they would be learning their lesson. After Jeremiah's hurt, In our text, we see Jeremiah's hope. Next slide, please. Jeremiah's hope. We're going to be looking at Lamentations 3, verse 21 through 26. You can go to the next slide. Jeremiah 3 says this, In the midst of all of this destruction, right? 
Verse 19, it says, Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. But, this is where God butts in. But, this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. What do you call to mind, Jeremiah? Well, Jeremiah would say, I'm glad you asked. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercy never comes to an end. Next slide. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. And the final two verses, which aren't on the slides, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Jeremiah, excuse me, Jeremiah had every right to feel hopeless and beaten down. His people and nation had brought destruction upon themselves. But Jeremiah digs deep and remembers God's promises. But this I call to mind, therefore I have hope. Jeremiah had every reason to despair. Sometimes we have every reason to despair as well. Yes, as we look at the landscape of our country and of our world, we could easily despair. But Jeremiah remembers God's love and his commitment to his people. Jeremiah remembers God's love and his commitment to his people. Jeremiah calls to mind God's steadfast love and the mercy that God gives will never come to an end. This is not only Jeremiah's hope, but this is our hope as well. The word steadfast love here in verse 22 is a key word. It's actually, this is free information. It's my favorite Hebrew word in the entire Old Testament. It's the word chesed. Can I hear you say chesed? Chesed. We got some Jewish people here. You guys got to work on it. No, I'm kidding. Chesed. Chesed is God's loyal covenantal love for his people. God's judgment of Israel's sin was evidence that he had not abandoned them, right? Even though there's judgment, it's actually an affirmation that the people of Israel were God's chosen people. In fact, God's never-ending hesed, his loving kindness, was what tied Israel to his heart. Trinity Bible Church, God's hesed is what tethers God's heart to you and to me. Lamentations affirms God's faithfulness, his never-ceasing mercy. Therefore, we can have confidence that God is not finished with us even when we sin greatly. Have you ever thought to yourself, I wonder if the supply of God's love will run out on me? I know I have. I'm thankful for the verse in John, 1 John, that says, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. 
There's a gentleman in the audience that has a Pittsburgh Penguins t-shirt on. I'm a devout Flyers fan. There are words that come to my mind when I see that Pittsburgh Penguins shirt. But I remember, Lord will forgive me for those things. And I'm glad that his mercies are new every morning. Every time the sun comes up, Trinity, we get a new supply of God's mercy and love. This is what brought great hope to Jeremiah's soul. May it bring great hope to us as well. God's steadfast love and mercy will never come to an end. Verse 23 tells us they are new every morning, every day like the sun. It's there every day at dawn. Every day we get a new supply of God's steadfast love. It's better than the Energizer bunny. It keeps going and going and going. Amen? In the middle of sorrow and ruin, Jeremiah remembered the mercy of God. Jeremiah had hope because he knew God was his help. Jeremiah's hurt, Jeremiah's hurt his hope, and now we see Jeremiah's help. Next slide. At the end of this book of Lamentations, the last two verses are a beautiful exclamation point and closing to this wonderful book that we have given to us in the Holy Word. Lamentations 5.21 says this, in the midst of the destruction, in the midst of the affliction, in the midst of the pain that actually had come upon the people of Israel, Jeremiah prays this simple prayer. Restore us to yourself, O Lord, that we may be restored. It's not a question. It's a statement of confidence. Restore us to yourself, O Lord, that we may be restored. It is the work of God who brings restoration and rest. Jeremiah is asking God to restore him. Jeremiah knows who to turn to for help. God is so kind to bring hope and help in the middle of a hurt. Amen? God is so kind to bring hope and help in the middle of our hurt. Jeremiah models for us how to pray in the middle of our pain. He, is, he also has great confidence in God's ability to answer his prayer. The psalmist writes in Psalm 121, a very familiar passage that I believe many of you can quote. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. God's kindness and compassion offered hope to Jeremiah that he would not reject Israel forever. God's loving kindness and compassion gives us hope today that we are his sons and daughters. We see Israel and their sin, and we see God's covenantal love towards Israel. And we see in the 
book of Romans that God will never forsake Israel, right? We can take great comfort in that truth and apply it to our own lives. If God is faithful to Israel who has sinned and rebelled, God will certainly be faithful to you and to me. In Micah 7, 18 through 19, we read this. Who is a God like you? The word Micah in Hebrew means who is like the Lord. And Micah writes this, who is like the Lord? Nobody. Why is nobody like the Lord? Well, let me let you know why. What is God like? He's a God who pardons iniquity. He, tra- he passes over transgression for the, remem- for the remnant of his inheritance. He does not retain his anger forever. Aren't you glad? My son was glad that my anger did not last forever and he was able to play with his iPad. He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in chesed, his steadfast love, God's loyal covenantal love to his people. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. Amen? Again, we see the word chesed in these verses. The Hebrew word most often translated loving kindness is chesed, which literally means, as I mentioned before, covenant loyalty. Most newer English translations of the Bible substitute more common English words such as faithfulness, unfailing love, mercy, or good favor. Hesed, or loving kindness, is the most often used to describe the character of the Lord. Many places in Scripture speak of the loving kindness of God. Loving kindness is part of who God is. Aren't you glad? He delights in showing loving kindness. Not only is he loving, but he shows his loving kindness. Chesed or loving kindness as it relates to the character of our God is most often used to describe God's heart toward those who are his own. Loving kindness is God's kindness and steadfast love for his children, especially evident in his coming down to meet our needs. In Scripture, God shows his loving kindness in saving his children from their enemies, delivering them from their troubles, and forgiving them of their sins. Holman's Dictionary says of this hesed, it's the Old Testament's highest expression for love. It is God's covenant-keeping, steadfast love. It is a love that remains constant regardless of the circumstances. Exodus 34, verse 6 says this. Moses writes, The Lord passed before him. Moses. The Lord passes before Moses and proclaimed, The Lord. The Lord. A God. Gracious and merciful. Slow to anger. Abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. The greatest demonstration of God's hesed is Jesus 
and his sacrificial death on the cross. Tim Keller, one of my favorite pastors to listen to, Tim Keller says concerning the gospel, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus the Messiah than we ever dared hope. Back to the story of Tommy Page and Elizabeth and Ted Morris. In time, Elizabeth and Ted would find it in themselves to not simply forgive, but to unofficially adopt the young man who had collided with their son while driving drunk. Her husband Frank, a part-time preacher and a driver for UPS, would baptize Tommy with his own hands. Years later, Tommy, who killed their son while driving drunk, can only imagine. Tommy still called his parents every day between four and five. Tommy had no right to accept anything from them. Ted's new parents opened their door of their life to Tommy. In the process, everything changed. It is unheard of that this kind of forgiveness happens in our world. Tommy and Elizabeth could only forgive Ted Morris because they came in contact with the loving kindness of God demonstrated in the life of Jesus, the Messiah. What a real-time example of judgment and restoration of sin and of hope. This is what we have before us in the pages of our Bible. So what do we do with all this truth, right? What do we do with all of this truth? What do we take home with us today? A few things. Sometimes life hurts. Sometimes sin hurts. But God is our hope and God is our help. God never fails. In the book of Lamentations, hope, not despair, is that gets the final word. Right? Hope, not despair, gets the final word. Revelation chapter 21, verse 3 and 4 says this, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. And they will be his people. And God himself will be them, be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Amen. We have something that is awaiting for us. The greatest hope that the world has to offer. It's Jesus, the Messiah. So in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the affliction, in the midst of the unknown for 2020, hope in Jesus, the Messiah, has the final word. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this encouraging passage in your word. Lord, thank you for giving us the word. 
chesed. We lift up our hearts with great praise for your steadfast covenantal love to those that call on your name. Lord, would you remind us, and as we remember, would we say with Jeremiah, therefore, I have hope. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.